Welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. So today, I want to continue on that, uh, in that vein, um, a message that I title, Activate Your Praise. Activate your praise. Somebody say, activate my praise. My praise. Activate my praise. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. This is powerful. I need you to, to really listen to this, uh, to what I'm about to share with you today. Because if you really get it, I know a lot of people have heard messages about the power of praise, right? We hear it a lot because actually it's one of the easiest messages to preach for preachers, you know? Uh, it gets people excited and all that. And we have a lot of text in the Bible for it that you can easily go to it. But, you know, sometimes people think that when you are saying it, they think it's something that it is uh, just, you know, something you do once in a while or you do, that you do it. But they don't know that the answer it is, the, it is the answer to life. Let me say something to you today. Before I go ahead, listen. If there's any issue going on in your life right now, any issue that ever comes across your path in your walk in this life, the one key that works at all times is praise. Amen. Any situation. If every other thing fails, the one thing that works at all times is praise. So what I want to show you today is the reason why that is so. Okay? All right, so let's go to Acts chapter 16. Acts of the Apostle, uh, chapter 16. So starting from verse... Well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be talking on, you know, uh, dividing my message into, into three points, basically. Three main points. Three main points. So my first point is the prisons of purpose. The prisons of what? Of purpose. That sounds like an oxymoron. It, it, it sounds like, like a contradiction. You know, you're talking about, when I say purpose, I'm talking about walking in God's purpose for your life, obeying God, listening to God. And then, while you are listening to God, you find out that you enter into some things that seems to hold you down, like you enter into what I call prisons, Right? Let me, give you, let me show you an example. Let's start reading from verse 6 of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16. I want us to do a Bible study together today. So Acts chapter 6, 16, starting from verse 6. So this Paul and Silas. Oh, God. You guys remember that it used to be Paul and Barnabas, right? But last week they had what? They had a strong disagreement, right? So it's now Paul and Silas. So that's a, that's a whole big lesson in there that even if you have disagreements, even if you have disagreement, make sure that you stay on the path of the assignment that God has given you. Do you get it? Try as much as possible, right? Except it doesn't work, right? Try as much as possible because what just happened was that Acts just shifted. Just Acts 15, they had a disagreement. Then Acts 16, we move on to the second missionary journey of Paul. The first missionary journey was done with, ba ba with Barnabas, right? They did all that. They came back. Now, this is the second missionary journey of Paul, but he was a different person now, all right? You know, they are moving on. Now, listen. So they said, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Prygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Guys, the Holy Spirit prevented people from preaching the word. That's another seemingly contradiction. No, the Holy Spirit wants us to preach the word, right? But it, tell, it, tell, it tells Paul, I know you are very eager, you want to preach the word, but I don't want you to preach the word in that place. You need to learn that lesson, that when you are working in the purpose of God, it is not every opportunity that opens up for you that you need to take. It is not everything that looks like if I do it, people are going to be benefited. If I do it, right? 
It's even in line. Listen, it's, you know, notice that it's in line with the written word, the word that was given to them. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the, to the entire world, right? It's in line with scriptures. But it was just not the right time. It's not everything that opens up for you. Not every advantage. For me, it's not every invitation that I take. It's not everything that opens up. So, yeah, I'm coming for it. I seek the Holy Spirit to find out. Is, for example, as a preacher, I ask myself, are these people ready for what I'm about to speak to them, or am I ready for what you know, I'm about to see there? It's not that God didn't want, the, the Holy Spirit didn't want the gospel to go to the province of Asia, but it was just an issue of what? Time. So there's the time element to working in God's purpose. There's a timing element to working in God's purpose. It is not everything that God shows you now that you have to do now. It is not everything that he tells you now that you even feel moved to do that you have to do now. There are things that you have to wait and find out, is it the time? And when it is time, the Holy Spirit will tell you, go ahead and do it. I have many things that are written now in my journal or written now in my, you know, where I put all that stuff that I've not even been allowed to do. It's not time. Now, when you begin to learn to work in God's timing, you find out that you struggle less. Because when you get into something that is not the time, that's when you just start struggling and start struggling. You wonder why God is not doing that, why that is not. But the thing is that you are jumping ahead of God. Do you know what would have happened if Paul had gone to Asia at that time? He would have experienced some things and he would have wondered why this was happening. But the, the real reason was because it was not time. So I just want to tell you, everybody, we need to be sensitive to the timing of God. All right, I digress. It's just something, just some nuggets like that, free nuggets along the way. Okay, okay. So, again, so passing by, look at the next one. Um, let's go to verse 7. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, right? Bithynia, whatever, Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. You know, that should, that should help all of you, every one of us, and I'm, I, I have that, that you are very strategic, like right? you, you have business mindset, right? You analyze everything. You do surveys of everything, and you just know and all that. And then, you know, no, you, the method of God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's method. Now, as I, stru I study all this strategy and do all that, but I know that it's subject to the Holy Spirit. I know people that work with me know that. That despite all that, I would just say, I know what, I just, sometimes it is contrary to what people think. I would say, that person needs to do that thing now. I don't know. It goes against every other thing, but that's what I feel in my spirit. That's, that's just it. And then, of course, we have ways of making decisions, right? We don't do democracy in the church, amen? We are led by the spirit. I'm sure if they voted and did all that in that place, some people in the team will say, let's go there. No. The Holy Spirit is still the guide. That's why we do all this stuff. The Holy Spirit is still the guide. And sometimes he will tell you to do something that makes no sense. Sometimes he will tell you to do something now. While everybody is pushing to do it. You say, don't do that now. Or do this now. The reason is because that thing is just, there's a Kairos moment. Now look at what happened. So the, the other places that seemed reasonable to them to go and do was not time. But there was a place they were supposed to go. I'm talking about the prisons of purpose. Hold on. Uh, verse 8. You're going to get what I mean right now. Verse 8, quickly. Verse 8. So instead. Everybody say instead. Say instead. So sometimes you have to do something instead of what you had planned to do. Sometimes you have to do something instead of what you have planned to do. Amen. Oh, do you know that we were supposed to be launching uh, what they call a glow church September 20, 2020. But we're, we're reopening City Light September 20, 2020. Instead. Instead. So instead, they went on through Mercia to the seaport of Troas. Okay? Verse 9. Verse 9. That night, Paul had a vision. So in other words, there was, God was now like, okay, now you've tried all that. You were moving. That's good and all that. But now, this is what I want you to do. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece 
was standing there, pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and what? Help us. So listen, God had a place where Paul, where Paul and Silas needed to be. But it took the Holy Spirit showing them through a vision of a man. And you see, sometimes what you are supposed to do is not all the things that you have put down in your to-do list, all the things, and it's good for you to move. I teach you know, to try. Paul kept on trying to move. So don't just sit down and say, I'm not doing anything because the Holy Ghost has not led me. Keep trying to move. If you're not supposed to do it, he will tell you not to do it, right? But there was a man, there was a vision of a man that showed them come, that showed them come and help us. Listen, I want to just pray for everybody under the sound of my voice that you will not be a Christian who goes only by your mental ability, your reasoning ability, but you will be a believer who is led by the Spirit. Because when you are led by the Spirit, when you are led by the Spirit, you become more fruitful for the kingdom of God. You become more fruitful in your life. A divine idea, just one tiny divine idea, can solve a lot of problems. A lot of problems, a lifetime of problems, just because you listen to God. Is that clear, everyone? But listen, now, let's see. So we, so we understand, right, that God was the one that led them there. Let's, let's keep on reading. God was the one that led them. So they were following God's purpose and God's plans, right? So we decided. I love it. I love it when people make decisions. When we're able to make decisions based on the guidance of the Holy Spirit, even though it's contrary to what we imagined before. But just say, so we decided. We're very decisive. So we decided to, to leave for Macedonia at once. At once. Immediate obedience. Having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So they went there. They were sure that that's what God wanted them to do. Verse 11. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis. So they took their flight, as we do now. From there, we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. So see? Um, all right, let's go. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. Thank God for women. Amen? Amen. I'm just, I mean, Amen. hallelujah. Amen. Put your hands together, you know? One of them was Lydia from Theatira, a merchant of expensive purple clothes who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. So this, this church that Paul was about to plant in a new place was planted because God opened the heart of one woman. Just one woman. And then the woman invited them to her house, to her own company. Okay, so... And she accepted what Paul was saying. Let's go quickly, verse 16. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guest. So the woman, her household, asked to be her guest. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay in my home. So she urged us until we agreed. So they went there. Verse 16. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. Listen, let me just say something to you guys. Look up at me. Because we're going to learn a lesson from this. The fact that something is supernatural does not mean that it is from God. The fact that somebody can come tell you and tell you the future does not mean that it is the Spirit of God in operation. Are you listening? The fact that something is producing what is good. Look at what the, what the girl was saying was very correct. Look at what she said. Enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. Okay? Verse 16. One day, as we, sorry, she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Is that a lie? That's the truth. They were servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell people how to be saved. It was a demon saying that. So some people, they hear, maybe they, you see something on YouTube, or you see something somewhere, and you say, that, but you know what? What that person said came to pass. Or what that person said, you know, is actually true. This person is actually preaching Jesus. This, you know, this is, you know, and all that. 
No, you've got to be discerning because it's not everything. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not everything that is producing good. It's not every, everything that sounds religious, right, or that sounds like the Bible is actually from the Spirit of God. You know, that's why some people in the New Age, all those New Age, whatever, when you read them or do whatever, you say they, they quote scriptures. They do all that. But there's a spirit behind it that is not a spirit that is dependent on Christ. It's a spirit that is dependent on self. It is you doing all those things. But what they are saying is right. Everything is very is in alignment with scripture and all that, but there's a spirit behind it that is not correct. So look up verse 18. Verse 18, Paul. This went on day after day. Like, this girl just kept on saying it. Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And instantly it left her. So listen, these guys were working in God's purpose. They were delivering people. They were obeying God. They were preaching the gospel. They were planting a church. They were doing what was good. You know, they were working in the purpose. How can you be working in purpose and following God? And then look at the next set of things that happened to them. I call it the prisons of purpose. Our master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. You see, listen, sometimes, listen, when you are speaking for Christ, when you are, when you are operating in your calling, you are going to put some people out of business. You know, you see that always happens. And when Philip went to Samaria too, there was a guy that had been deceiving them that went out of business. As believers, we're called to put certain things out of business. Certain things that have been reigning in our communities, reigning around us, we put them out of business. And usually when you begin to do that, there will be what? There will be a riot. <laughs> there will be opposition. Because, listen, a lot of, you know, when, you, when God has called you and you're going to be bold, you discover that you are going to step on toes. Especially things that have been entrenched. We're going to step on toes. So, so these people were angry. So they dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. Verse 19. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that is illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Salah. Listen, guys, mobs are not always right. Mobs are not always right. Amen. Sometimes mobs are mingled. They have some right. They mingle with all kinds of stuff. That's why you should never be a part of a mob. Mobs are not always right. You see, we know what a mob is. A mob is an agitated set of people. They, which, they are reacting to something. And so when a mob is, is in operation, like they say, anger, and usually what usually follows when there's a mob is that there will be destruction. There's a of gathering, you understand that it's not a mob. Do you get what I'm saying? Where people can get together and they can do things or stand for something or do whatever where it is kind of it is organized and there's a clear message and all that. But a mob is a destructive thing. They quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Verse 23, they were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison, the prisons of purpose. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. Verse 24, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks, in the stocks. Before we go to the next thing, everybody look at me. I just, those of you watching me online, I just want you to, you know, to see this. This is important. The fact that you are obeying God, or that you are working in God's purpose for your life, or that you are doing what is right and all that, that you are following God's plans, that you are reaching out to people, that you are freeing people from being demonized, right? that you are doing all that, that you are depopulating Satan's kingdom, that you, know, you are freeing people from bondage, that you are putting evil out of business, that you are standing on God's word, that you are, you know, obeying God's word. You know, you are giving. You are part of what God is doing. And doing all that does not mean that you are not going to be attacked. In fact, sometimes what you are doing is going to stir up a counterattack. You see, now, 
a lot of people, you see, when you, when you listen to all those uh, demonic uh, teaching about demons and all that, they're always afraid of counterattacks. The reason why people are afraid of counterattacks, you know, son, is because they don't understand the next mystery that we're going to be talking about right now. Because when God sends you somewhere, he knows that there will be counterattacks, but he has already provided protection for you. You just need to learn to activate it. But I just want to tell you that the fa- some people get, they quit what they are doing because they go through trouble. They just get tired and they say, like, I don't think I'm in the will of God because this is just so tough. What do you think Paul and Silas are going to say? They sailed with their own money. They got to that place. They were trying to help people, but they ended up being beaten and put in prison. It's telling us that the fact that you're working in God's purpose does not preclude the fact that you will be opposed. You will go, some t- go through some tough times. You will be challenged, and sometimes your back will bleed. Sometimes your back will bleed. If you, want to, if you want it to be easy, thank you. If you want it to be easy all the time, if you want everything to be easy, like, you know, I just want to have my, you know, easy kind of Christianity where nobody's going to challenge what I'm saying, where nobody's going to challenge what I'm doing, everything is just fine, unkidori, peaceful, that is not Christianity. You are compromising. Anyone that will live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Oh, we need to sit down with you and talk about the things that we've gone through, the things that we've had to go through in the planting, the raising, the whatever, what God has told us to do in the city, in the nations, the things that we've had to go through just, you know, to to, to move it, to be where we are right now, things that we have gone through. But the key is that you keep on moving. Hallelujah. Some of you are going through some challenges right now and you are doubting. Maybe I'm not in the will of God. Maybe I'm missing it. Oh, you know, some people, people say they put spirituality behind. They say, you know what? You know, I just, you know, I, you know, it's just been very tough. But I just begin to sense in my spirit that I need to readjust. I need to, you know, you know, when people start saying that, okay, all right. I need to, you know, I just need to pivot, you know. I, I need to, there are times that you need to pivot. But make sure God is telling you to pivot. Make sure it's not a response. Make sure it's not a response to what is happening. That you are trying to pivot. Make sure it's not because of the challenges you are facing. Oh, man, challenges, doors that seem that they will not open. Things that seem that it's not going to come to pass, but you just know that that's what God told you to do, but you just keep on doing it, and then it opens up. So don't use challenges. Don't let challenges and circumstances be your guidance. Don't make challenges, uh, don't, don't make your guidance system challenges and what you, can, what you are experiencing around yourself. Make sure that the Holy Spirit is your guidance system. Can I get an amen in the house, everyone? All right, now, so the presence of purpose, that's what I mean by that, that, you know, when you're working in purpose, you find yourself falling into certain things. But let's go to my second point, which is the principles of praise. The principles of praise. Now, I told you, I said, the devil may counterattack, but God has already given us the tool to be able to deal with whatever the devil brings up. And that's what Paul and Silas understood. And Paul taught it a lot in his epistles. Now look at what they did. Around midnight. Let's go to that verse. Around midnight. Verse 25. Around midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. A translation says singing praises to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Let's stop there. So imagine, you were following God's will, and then suddenly you were beaten, your back is bleeding, you are tied down, you are in prison. You know what's going to happen to most people? Especially if you are in a company. I can just imagine that, you know, if that, you know, if that happened to some of us. First of all, you know, this is how it's going to go in the prison. After being beaten and thrown into the prison, just get to the prison, they will be quiet. Silas is quiet. Paul is quiet. And then, somewhere along the lines, Silas will speak up, or Paul will. Uh, okay, when you made that decision, you wanted to go to Asia. <laughs> we were all in agreement that it's Asia that we're supposed to go. But you said the Holy Spirit says we should come to this place. 
Maybe if we had gone to Asia, we would not end up in prison now. <laughs> right? Okay, we had two opportunities. The, you know, the, listen, they, they were ready for the world and all that. But you were saying that you had a dream. We need to check your dreams. That there was a man calling you to come. You know, sometimes you go to meet some people, right? And that's what they're doing. They're talking about, you know, how you got there, how this and that, how that and they're analyzing things and doing whatever. And before you know it, you start doubting whether you are in the will of God or not. The same thing happens in relationships. It happens in marriages. Begin to doubt because of challenges. I'm telling you, that's not the approach you should take. That's not the way you go. They could have been complaining. Now, Silas, you know, I don't know why I followed you. Maybe that's why Barnabas even left you. <laughs> you make all these irrational decisions. And he's right now. And then they, after firing one another, right, then they will turn to God and say, God, why us? <laughs> why me? Why us? There are some people that we left in Antioch. I remember Bartholomew, the guy's still drinking. He's not a serious Christian. He did not obey the missionary journey. But the guy is still enjoying his abode. Here am I in prison. And then you begin to look at other people. Look at that person. They have a great relationship. They have a great marriage. Look at that other person. Look at the job. The job is just, you know, their job is just great. Look at their businesses. Their businesses are doing well. And they're not even serving God. They're not even praying. They're not even studying the Bible. They're not doing all these things that I'm doing. But look at me. I'm supposed to be following you, but look at my life now. I've heard that a lot in years of pastoring from people. When they begin to compare themselves, where they are with where other people are. You know. How those people don't have to go through all this I'm going through? You tell them, you know, we pray, we do whatever, but I have some friends, they don't pray. They don't do anything, but things just work out for them. Well, are you your friends? Things worked out for a lot of people than Paul, than Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas, but do you remember any of their names now? Are you reading their books? You? Huh? Are you studying and encouraging the world? Are we using their stories to encourage other people now? But we're using Paul and Silas, they are downtown to encourage people. Do you get what I'm saying? What I'm trying to tell you is that whenever the spirit of complaint comes in, you know that the spirit of God is out. Whenever you complain about anything in your life or around you, you have left the flow of the spirit you are now in the spirit of the devil. Complaint is the wrong response to challenges. Complaint is the wrong response to when things are not in alignment. You have to make a decision that I will never complain again another day in my life. Everybody say that after me. Type it into YouTube. Type it into Facebook. Say, I will never complain another day in my life about anything, any circumstance that I find myself. Number one, it could be worse. The worst. You may not even have a mouth to complain at all. Or even a life to even complain about. It could be worse. You must never complain. Complaint is not a spiritual tactic. It's not a Christian tactic. It's playing into the hand of the devil. Complaint is going to, you see what happens is that they say when it rains, it pours, right? When it rains, it pours. You know, that principle is saying that when something happens, you focus on it, then more of it will start happening. The more you complain, the more it gets worse. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you a mystery right now, something very important that I'm going to show you. So, the principles of praise, basically, number one is, first of all, that praise is a decision. Everybody say praise is a decision. It's just a decision you make. It's not a feeling. Sometimes you don't even feel like praising. You don't feel like being appreciative, but you just make that decision. Paul and Barnabas, sorry, Paul and Silas decided 
that they were going to pray and praise God. It was just a decision. They had pain everywhere. It's a decision. I love, is it, you know, guys, I love things that are decision, not feelings. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why I love agape love and all that, because you know what you're supposed to do because it's a decision. It's not a feeling. Feelings, things that are feelings, as they are very subjective. I don't like subjective stuff like that. You don't know. But objective stuff, decide to praise. Simple. Everybody say, decide to praise. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I choose to. I choose to praise God. Hallelujah. So we see that it is a decision. In, uh, in uh, the, book of, the book of Psalms, you know, there's this in Psalms 34, verse 1. Psalm 34, verse 1. The psalmist said, I will do what? I will. The will is a decision. I will bless the Lord at what? And his praise shall what? I shall continually be in my mouth. Continually is the key word there. I will, it will continually, downtime, uptown, no matter what is happening, his praise will continually be in my mouth in every situation. It is powerful. You know, in Habakkuk chapter 3, uh, Habakkuk chapter 3 from verse 17 to 19, Habakkuk was talking, Habakkuk 3 from 17 to 19, he says, even though the fig tree will not blossom, Habakkuk 3 says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, Neither shall fruit be on the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. That's a terrible situation. That's terrible times. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Although, verse 18, yet. Everybody say yet. I will rejoice what? I will joy in the God of my salvation. Then he will make my feet. The Lord God is my strength, and it will make me like hands feet, and it will make me to walk upon my high places. In other words, no matter what I see, no matter what is going on, I make a choice that God's praise is going to be in my mouth, and then God turns it around. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? So praise is a decision. Number two, we see that our praise is a partner to prayer. They said they prayed, and then they praised God. They prayed, and then they praised God. So Listen, sometimes you are prayed enough. Tell anybody say you are prayed enough. Sometimes you are prayed enough over that situation. You are prayed enough over that child. You are prayed enough over that career. You are prayed enough over that ministry, over that calling. It's time for you to switch to praise. It's time for you to start praising God. You need to engage the duo, the power duo. Amen. Prayer and praise. Put them together. In fact, I, I, may, I, may I say this to you? That if you have more praise, you will not even have a, you will not even need you know the first part because you can actually turn your prayers into praise. Praise is the most powerful weapon in the arsenal of the believer. Somebody say amen. amen. Woo! Continually, number number uh, three, praise is the acknowledgement of God. Is the acknowledgement of God. You know what they said? They said they, they said Paul and Barnabas began to, sorry, Paul and Silas began to pray, they began to pray and to sing praises to God. They began to sing praises to God. Everybody look at me. You see, what you feel is dependent on what you are focusing on. And eventually also, what is going to be, what's going to happen in your life is what you are focusing on. This is what I'm, I'm about to tell you. What Paul and Silas decided to do was that rather than us focusing on our bleeding back or focusing on the stocks that we were tied down with, rather than us focusing on any one of those things, our focus will be on God. I'm going to turn my focus on God. Everybody say, I turn my focus on God. No matter what is going on in your life, turn your focus on God. Turn your eyes away. Turn your ears away what people are saying. Turn your ears away from what the environment is saying. Turn your ears away in what is going on in the nation. Turn your focus on God because God is going to deliver you from the prison. God is going to deliver you from the peace. Keep your focus on him no matter what is going on in your life. Keep your focus on what? On God. 
Praise can be practiced in any situation or location. You don't need to enter into a secret place to praise. You don't need to be anywhere specific to praise. You don't need to be in church to praise. You can praise anywhere you are. Amen. You can praise when you are driving. You can praise when you are cooking. You can praise in the bathroom. How many of you are part of the bathroom praise, praise team? That's the only place where my song, my voice, everybody accepts my voice. Everything in the bathroom likes my voice. God likes my voice. Everything is fine. Amen. So I go it. I take all the keys. I modulate and, you know, triangulate, whatever it is. I change keys. Anyhow, I just know that God is hearing me. Amen. I don't have city praise to judge me there. Amen. They stop judging me. <laughs> Amen. You know, I was thinking when we were coming to church today, and my wife and Pearl, they were like, oh. I was like, why are you guys smiling? Why are you laughing? What are you laughing about? <laughs> because I was really digging it. I brought out my soprano. I'm serious. Like, Amen. You know, but basically, I turn my focus on God. Everybody say, turn your focus on God. And praise is not just singing, right? Praise is just that thing. Praise is that acknowledgement of what God has done in your life, what God is doing in your life, and what God has promised that he will do in your life. That's what praise is all about. Amen. Praise, the last one, praise should be practiced regardless of the actions and reactions of others. Praise should be practiced regardless of the actions and reactions of others. They said the prisoners were hearing them, but they didn't care. They didn't care that the prisoners were hearing them when they were praising. You know, sometimes when we come to church and when you are praising, you are looking around and saying, oh, you know, maybe some people are going to see that this, they're going to say that this guy is crazy. You know, or maybe I need to be more dignified. They're going to say, oh, you know, uh, you know, look at him. He's messing up and all that. You know, you know, we're so self-conscious when it comes to praise. But this is what I'm telling you to do. It's time for you to move to that realm of unconscious, you know, uncaring, on, how do I say, nonchalant praise. Amen. Where you don't care what anybody thinks about you. Amen. Because they don't know where God has brought you from. And they don't know what you are going through. They don't know what God has in store, in store for you. Amen. So when you are praising, they might not understand why you are praising, but you understand why you are praising. Just like that, when that woman came and broke the alabaster box before Jesus, very precious to her, and she began to worship God with her hair, which is her glory, began to just rub it on Jesus, you know, washing his feet and all that. People were looking, what, for all purposes, this kind of waste? They did not understand, you know, what had happened in that, in that lady's life. Jesus told them, he said, listen, you guys don't know. If somebody has been forgiven a particular amount of money, right, if it is little, you know, and then another person was forgiven another amount of money that is a lot, which one do you think is going to love the master more? They said the one that has been forgiven a lot. He said, this woman has been forgiven a lot. This woman has been passed through a lot. She's gone to places that you guys have never been. She has seen things that you guys have never seen. She has expressed things that you, have, you guys have never seen, but she has expressed the mercy of God. And that's why she's worshipping me with everything that she's got. I want to tell you something. You need to start praising God. Not caring what anybody thinks about you because they don't know your story. They don't know when you were praying to God. You know, when nobody was there. When you were shouting, God, help me. And then God brought you out. God brought you out. God gave you a job. God gave you a purpose. God gave you a destiny. Paul was like, I was one of those people that used to stone people and put people in prison. But look at me right now. I'm now on the other side. I am now experiencing, I've experienced the grace of God that I'm now counted worthy to be able to suffer for Christ. Come on, Silas, let's give God praise. Because if not for the grace of God, we're going to be the one throwing the stones. We're going to be the one beating people. But God has raised us up. What has God done in your life? No matter where you are right now, you have things to thank God for. Sometimes when I look at myself, I remember myself in Pakwa Shafa, beautiful place. I remember dreams. I remember prayers. I remember crying. And I look back and I see what God has done. I don't think God never does anything in my life again, again. But I know what He has done now is worthy of praise. Who am I? If he never does anything again in my life, I can praise him forever and ever for what he has done already. But you know one thing? When you praise God, more comes. When your praises go up, the blessing comes down. Hallelujah. 
Somebody give God some praise in the house. Somebody watch him and give God some praise in the house. Meet every challenge and opportunity with praise. Choose worship over worry. Choose faith over fear. Choose appreciation over complaint. No matter the situation, choose. You know what happens? Every challenge is an opportunity to experience God's power. That's why my final point, the power of praise. So my first point was the presence of purpose. When you are working in God's purpose for your life, you are going to face challenges, counterattacks, and all kinds of stuff. In fact, let me tell you something. The area that God wants to use you to be a blessing to people is the area where the devil is going to challenge you. That place where you are facing that challenge, there's a testimony that is in the, way, in the wings in that place that is supposed to bless the world. It's going to come. Just like that testimony is blessing us now. My second point was the principles of praise. How praise works. It needs to be continual. My final point, the power of praise. Now, when you begin to praise, what happens? What happens? What is the power of praise? You guys need to get it because I'm going to show you one thing now. Um, Acts chapter 16, verse 26. Say suddenly. Everybody say, and suddenly. And suddenly. There was a great earthquake. How many of you have been getting my devotional, the devotional that I You notice that I, I taught on something on Friday about speaking to the earth, right? Speaking to your earth. You see, one thing that we all need to understand, and I need you all to look at me now online, everywhere, look at me very clearly. What a lot of people do not understand, and listen, even I myself, I'm beginning to get to a clearer understanding of it. So I had known this, but somebody sent a book to me to, to write a foreword on, uh, you know, some weeks ago, to write a foreword. So as I was reading through the book, man, that's a powerful book. And, you know, when it comes out, I will, you know, I will recommend it to you. To, like, the person was going through all the scriptures on how everything that, everything that has, everything that was created by word can respond to words. I went through hundreds of scriptures proving it. But while I was meditating, I was writing to forward the book, to write a foreword and all that. But as I was meditating on it, something sparked up in my spirit. And I saw a truth in there that I knew it somehow, but it became very strong in my heart. And, that's, and it was the truth of our dominion in God. And I'm going to teach it much later. I don't have the time to do it today, but I just want to share something with you. You see, when the earth was created in the very beginning, you remember God said, let us make man in our... Sorry, God said, uh, sorry, let the earth bring forth, right? After he created the heavens and the earth, he said, let the earth... Hello, hello. Can you increase this one for me? After it... Sorry, let, let it bring forth animals, vegetation. So God was speaking to the earth, right? Speaking to the earth, right? And then... The earth was created. I said, God looked at everything and behold, it was good. Then he now created man in his own image after his likeness. In other words, to be like him and to act like him. And he now said, I give you dominion over the earth, over every creeping thing, over the entire earth. So he gives them dominion, which means that you too, you should speak to the earth to continue. So he stopped the process. Sixth day. Put man there to continue the process right? To command the earth. You know, you guys, you know that electricity that we have right now that has been there since that time. But man just didn't know it. And there are still a lot of things inside the earth right now that we have no idea. You understand? We're still in the dark ages. You understand? When it comes to what God has put in the earth. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You need to take some time to meditate on the fullness 
the fullness thereof, everything in it. KJV says the fullness thereof. The world, which is the operating system, right? Just like you have a computer, you have the physical computer, the hardware is the earth. The world is the operating system, right? Everything in it, the world and all those who live in it. God says that the earth is full of so many things. Let me say something to you. Many people think that the resources of the earth is going to finish. You can't find that in scriptures. God already planned that what is in the earth. There's a source of energy that we've not even discovered, right? That all the fossil fuel and all this thing that we're doing, just one tiny one, very easily, all the energy that we have expended throughout the, the since, you know, we knew ourselves, is inside that tiny thing. But the fact that we just have not discovered it. There's a fullness in the earth. But listen, where I'm going is this. The fullness of the earth is supposed to serve God, his people, and his purpose. But what has happened is that the earth is in a state. It's in a state. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 19. The earth is in a state based on the way the people on it have been living. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Start from verse 13. Sorry, I mean Romans. Romans, I mean Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. He said, uh, start from verse 18. Verse 18. Look look at that. Verse 18, quickly. He says, he said, for the, for the creation, wait in eager expectation for what? For the children of God to be revealed. To be revealed. Now go, keep going. Go to verse 20. Listen. To be revealed. He's waiting for the children of God. For the creation was subjected to frustration. The earth was subjected to frustration. Not by his own choice. But by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. Verse 21. It was subjected to frustration. That the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage of decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. You know what he's, what he's telling us here? You see, what the world or the earth is experiencing right now is not its fullest potential. It's experiencing that because of the things that have been happening upon it. Because of the sin and all that. Remember, I'm, let me give you two. You know, I'm jumping over this thing. The first one, when Adam sinned, remember what God said? God told him, he said, the earth will no longer yield to you. It's the it's best. But it's going to start giving you thumbs and touch to. What he was saying is that I created it to have dominion over the earth, right? But now, you have reversed it. So the earth that's supposed to be supporting you, that's supposed to be assisting you, this whole thing is not going to be fighting against you. So you will struggle all the days of your life until you go back to that same earth. Say so you struggle. The same thing, when Cain sinned, remember what God told him? He said, he said, I mean, you should, so if you can find that for me, he said, am I my brother's keeper? Oh, God said, wow, because you have done this thing. He said, the earth that has received the blood of your brother, he said, the blood is crying out to me, the earth is crying out, and so you will banish from the face of the earth, and you will be a vagabond on the earth all through because of this, the face of the earth. What he was saying there is that the earth is not going to cooperate with you any longer. You are just going to be roaming all over it. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that talks about the fact that, listen, our success in life and all that is dependent on how we exercise the dominion over the earth. And the Lord Jesus Christ came and showed us you had dominion. He spoke to the winds, right? He did, he did so many things. He, he was trying to show us that we're supposed to be in control of all these things. Let me tell you one of the easiest ways to control the environment, to control the earth and all that. This is not strange anything. If I had time, I'll show you all through scriptures. One of the easiest ways. It's true praise. They said there was what accessing there was what an earthquake. As these people were praising God, the earth, the earth was like ah, some guys are getting expressed. <laughs> you know, some of God's children are beginning to do what this old thing was for, and so the earth began to dance with them. Amen. Are you listening? I know I'm adding that to it, but I'm not going against scriptures. Amen. <laughs> the earth began to what? To rejoice. Very scriptural. They said, the, they said the, 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 the trees of the field will clap their hands with you, right? So many places there. There are places in the Bible where it says the earth is groaning or the earth is in pain. 
Another place he said the earth is rejoicing and all that. So the earth began to, what, the earth began to shake. And then as the priests ascended, something began to happen to the physical realm. That the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, the prison doors flew open. Listen, let me tell you something. You might think that this is, uh, this is something that just happened to fall and silence. I'm telling you that this is God showing us one of the mysteries of praise. One of the powerful things about praise is that when you begin to praise, you begin to affect the physical circumstances. And please don't take just my word for it. Psalm 67 verse 5 to 7. I love the NJKJV version. Psalm 67 from verse 5 to 7. Psalm 67 from verse 5 to 7. He said, let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you, O God. Then shall the earth yield our increase. And God, even our own God, shall bless us. Then the earth will yield our increase. What is your heart yielding for you? Is it yielding tons and testos and curses? Is it because you have covered it with complaint? Is it because the way you have been living upon the earth has been constantly complaining, constantly releasing the wrong thing? And so you try this one, the earth does not cooperate. You try that one, the environment just does not just work. Listen, you can break that cycle today. You can break that cycle today by turning your life into a life of praise. When you switch to praise, you begin to see the hurt helping you. You see, my wife is here. My wife and I went through some financial stuff in the past. We did not know. We knew the principle. We knew the principles of finances, right? Giving and all that. But we, I just, there was one revelation that we missed out that God showed us that stunned everything around. It was a very tiny revelation. So, we praise God when we give, right? We used to praise God like we're joyful when we give and everything. But we never learned how to praise God when we spend. When we spend. Or praise God when what we earn, maybe it's a little lower. Are you listening? Or what we never learned that it was supposed to carry through everything. So some years ago, I went to God. I said, You need to show me something. Not that you know, we've always been at least I've always been met and all that, but there were certain things I wanted to do that we were not able to do it as much as we wanted. So I knew he was supposed to go to another river. And God showed me. He said, this is what is missing. He said, you attach too many much negative emotions to money. And I saw that. That's, a, that's why I started a small group called The Truth About Money. It's one of those things that I share with them in here. Because, you see, when I made that adjustment and became all the time joyful about money, sometimes when I'm writing out a bill, something thousands of dollars or 10,000 or whatever, I'm rejoicing. When you are repairing a car, you are rejoicing. When you are paying a ticket, you are what? You are rejoicing. You know what I discovered? I just discovered, Brady, right? I just discovered that money just started multiplying. No, I'm not joking. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. No matter what we spent, no matter what we gave, no matter what, it was just multiplying. It just kept on multiplying. I'm like, I'll tell him, I said, baby, can you see this thing? I said, what? He said, we, we detach all emotions from it, right? Apart from just one emotion, that emotion of always just being joyful about it. Whether we are to, and I discovered that we, no, we, that thing of this either scatters and yet increases, right? We now give, like we just give. Sometimes we just wake up and say, we want to give to this person, this nation and all that. But the interesting thing is that when we give that thing out, more just keeps on coming. It was just simple, one simple revelation. That's a revelation of praising everything. That's what Jesus was showing us when they had loaves of bread that was not enough. What did he do with those loaves of bread? He gave thanks to God. And so it multiplied. Listen, stand up everybody because I'm rounding up my message right now. Guys, listen. This is not, I know you have heard this kind of messages before. But I just pray today that those of you watching me and those of you in the auditorium, you're going to make that switch today. Listen. The earth was made to respond to the praises of God. When I say the earth, I'm talking about the earth, the fullness, the operating system, the world, and everything in it. They respond to the praises of God. The atmosphere of Chicago responds to the praises of God. 
I cannot tell you different instances that we faced different things and the only thing that we had to apply was the presence of God and it turned around. It turned around. In the family, in the church. Amen. Just praising God about it. Then what begins to happen? The earth begins to reconfigure itself. Look at me, everybody. The earth that you are living on is different from the one that everybody else is living on. We are all on the same earth, right? What I'm saying, just like when Cain was on one land, Abraham was on that. On that. Do you get what I'm saying? Noah was on one, even though it's the same earth. The one you are living on is different from the one that everybody is living on. The one you are living on is customized based on what you have been doing, saying, and what people have been saying before you came. There are some commonalities like cities and nations, right? That's why we need to bless our cities and bless our nations. But the earth that you have been living on is different. The easy way to reconfigure the earth is through your words. Especially the words of praise. Play something nice. You see, as we're playing, just play. As we're playing this thing, you know something is happening. You guys don't know what, what is happening in the spirit. There's a configuration taking place in the atmosphere. When you get in the car and you turn on your car and you start playing it, there's a configuration that begins to take place. Because everything is spiritual. Everybody say everything is spiritual. The earth was created by a spirit. So it responds to spiritual stuff. Stop fight, trying to fight physically. Stop trying to fight physically. Stop trying to just change everything only by physical. Get in the spirit. Get in the spirit. Lift up your praises to God. Stand in the spirit and see things change. You can get, if you are single here, just by praising God, you can get your man, your woman come to you. Something will be configured in the spirit. And will be reconfigured on the earth. You can change any situation through praise. You can open any closed door through praise. You can open any closed door through praise. You can turn anything around through praise. Oh, let's, let's read that together. Let's read that Acts chapter 16 together. The final part. Suddenly, suddenly, let's see. Suddenly, suddenly, the power of praise. Please show it for us. Acts of the Apostles from verse 26, 16 from verse 26. I want us to read, everybody want to, let's go. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. Say this after me, everybody. Say, Lord, as I praise you, let there be an earthquake. Let the earth begin to praise with me. Begin to sing with me. Chicago! Sing with us. Chicago, dance with us. Dance with us. 2020, sing with me. It's a God show. My workplace, sing with me. Dance with me. Praise with me. Because you were created for the glory of God. The foundation, come on, let's read on. And what? The foundations of the prison were what? No, 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 no. Acts 16, is that it? Go back to 26. We're not done yet. He said, so that the foundations of what? Were what? And immediately the doors were? Can somebody make a shout to the Lord right now as the doors begin to fling open? The doors are opening. You have experienced closed doors, hidden behind closed doors since this year started. But I prophesy over you right now, it is time for open doors. It is time for open doors. It is time for open doors. New doors in your career. New doors. New doors of relationships. New doors of ministry. Every closed things be open. Yes, the doors are opening. The doors are opening. That is the prophetic word. The God show is busting out to the open. The doors, come and give him some praise. And everyone, not just Paul and Silas, but everyone's band was loosed, including the prisoners that were onlookers. God is telling you that when you become a praiser, you begin to change atmosphere that begins to affect other people. 
some people are complaining right now in Chicago. Some people are complaining right now in the United States. But as the church rise up and begin to praise God, the atmosphere will begin to affect them. Will begin to affect them. And people will start getting loosed. As you are getting loosed, your family is getting loosed. As you are getting loosed, your community is getting loosed. As we are getting free, people are getting free around us. Everyone, listen, as I, as I finish, one of the best things that you can do for yourself, for your family, for your community, for your neighborhood, for your nation at this time is not to join the complaining crowd, but to be the standout praising crowd. To be the one that will post on social media. Let everything that has bread praise the Lord. Give me some 100, some 100 quickly. As I ran off, some 100, some 100, some 100, some 100 from verse 1. You are one of those people who are going to be saying that. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All ye cities, all ye lands, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Enter. Enter into his purpose. Oh, know ye that the Lord is good. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We're not the one that made this country. We're not the one that made ourselves. We can feel so, you know, like we are in charge. But I tell you, there's a God that is in charge of the United States. There's a God that is in charge of the election. There's a God that is in charge of his purpose. Because we're not the one that made ourselves. We're just sheep in his pastors. Verse 4, enter into his gates. Verse 4, enter. Enter. Everybody enter in right now. Enter into the gates of the Lord. We thanksgiving. Enter into his God. We praise. Give thanks to him. And praise his name. Come on, enter into a new realm. Enter into a new realm of open doors. Enter into a new realm of transformation, of change, of change being broken. Listen, I'm entering to a new dimension. My story is changing. I want to see you dancing right now. My story is changing. I tell you, the closed doors are opening. The closed doors are opening. The closed doors are opening. My body is getting healed. My body is getting healed. Hallelujah. I'm stepping forward. There's a resolution. There's a resolution. There's a resolution. There's a resolution. What is that problem? What is that issue? There's a resolution. The earth is cooperating with me. Chicago is cooperating with me. Evanston, Rogers Park, South Side, North Side, West Side, Summers, High Park, Hamwood. with me my seats are bringing forth come on say my seats are bringing forth keep playing my seats are bringing forth my children are learning to God's purpose my work is blessed my work is anointed things are happening for my good there's a cooperation the weather is cooperating with me the angels are cooperating with me ah, the atmosphere of the city the people of the city, the resources of the city, the monies of the city, they are cooperating with me. Come on! You guys are not present yet. Come on, give him some press. It's been a long time that you did it.
estate and the real estate and the jobs cooperate with us cooperate with God's people cooperate with us let the earth yield this increase hallelujah come on give God a shout of prayer This is your biggest inoculation, insulation against coronavirus, against anything that the health can muster up. This is your answer to any situation. Don't just do it in church. Do it all the time. Live in that realm and see what God is going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to The Glow Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more contents from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.